This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here on the Ward Scott Files here in... uh, the Piney Woods of North Central Florida, uh, waiting to see my image pop up here. I think it will in a moment so that I know you're hearing me. Uh, so uh, I, I, when, as soon as I get confirmation that I'm um, there before your eyes, we'll, we'll proceed. We've got Ted Yoho in the wings waiting. There we go. Ted's there. So uh, we're juggling a lot of, spinning a lot of plates as always, and Ted's with us. So uh, we're all connected up here now, and we're in the um, Manly Warthog Command Center in the Melton Law Studio, protected by crime prevention. And we thank you all for all our sponsors and our, and our donors. And, um, you know, Wednesday, we've got uh, always a great show with you uh, for you because we have Ted Yo joining us, who has uh, been gracious enough to help us try to instruct you about the truth of what's going on. It's very difficult to get that these days because there are so many uh, self-serving, if you will, uh, outlets for what passes or wants to think of itself as news. So we like to say we're just a little bit different from that. Uh, we're going to try to give you uh, as best an analysis as we can. And of course, the number one thing that's been circulating around on the news outlets in the last 24, 48 hours has been the search for the Speaker of the House. And uh, we predicted, Ted predicted quite a ways back, that this was not going to be an easy deal, um, that there were some uh, uh, people who were not satisfied, perhaps, uh, with the person who would be nominate, nominated, who sure enough was nominated. And as I understand it, is going to be nominated again today by our own uh, representative here, Kat Kamek, who uh, used to be on the staff for Ted Yoho. So uh, be watching in the chat line if you have any questions. Uh, We'll try to get to them. Uh, Ted, welcome to the show. And uh, I I know that you have been, (laughs) just before you came on the air with us, you had the phone to your ear. So there's no telling what, maybe that's DC calling, wanting you to be the, uh, (laughs) huh? Come on, man. Rattle some cages, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I think probably that's what's going on. I believe uh, (laughs) they want you on there. So, uh, (laughs) Uh, anyway, uh, that's been passed. That's been approached, discussed, and uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But uh, what do you think Boy, about that all would this stuff? cages, yeah. Well, well, wouldn't that shake some people up? So <laughs> that sure would. Yeah, but we'd get stuff done. I'll, I can tell you that we'd get stuff done. Um, <laughs> you know, talking about this race, you know, just to put things in perspective, I was there. I served eight years. My first vote was against John Boehner because the people of my district, the majority of them said, don't vote for Boehner. And I think at that time he had a 68 or 70% unfavorability 
that people just did not like him. And then um, my second Congress, I ran against him kind of by a default thing because nobody else would announce. And I remember I was at a a, a, a town hall meeting in Ocala and people said, are you going to support Boehner? And I said, well, right now, nobody else is uh, running against him. And they said, that doesn't matter. If nobody's running against them, we expect you to run against them. <laughs> and I had heard that, and that, that's my constituent base. And I'm like, you know what? Nobody else will. I will. And so kind of by a default, uh, I did run. And uh, I know Kevin McCarthy. He's been there the whole time. And uh, I like Kevin. I mean, he's, a, he's a, a likable guy, but I don't trust Kevin. And Kevin is not a leader. And we can talk more about that. And he's not the one to lead our country. And, you know, I, I look back at that, um, at that uh, confusion that there was in the angst when I voted against Boehner, because that was everybody was upset about that in the establishment. And then when I ran against them, people in the establishment were really mad. And then, um, you know, so the angst is right now. Everybody's focused on the now. But we need to look at long term and where this country's gone over the last 15 to 20 years with establishment leadership and ask the constituents to put the pressure on their representatives. Do you want another establishment leader in there like a Mitch McConnell or a John Boehner or a Paul Ryan? And uh, is it time we change course? And as we were talking before the show, when Cliff Stearns, the person I ran against, who had been there for 24 years, in 1989, this country owed $2.5 trillion. When he got out, it was right at 13, 13 and a half trillion. And that's when I went in and I went in there to change the dynamics to get our out of control spending out of the way or under control. And by the time I left eight years later, we were at 28 or $29 trillion And Congress is not focusing on those things that are major problems that are going to affect this nation and future generations. They play whatever the headline is. That's what they're they're focused on. And it's very short-term thinking. And we've talked about that before. And that's why the Freedom Caucus, they're getting chastised for being disruptors. But thank God they're there because they're the only ones that are willing to risk what they're doing to change the dynamics up there. And I disagree with Brian Kilmeade and all those other main street medias that saying these guys are all doing this for self-serving reasons. No, they're not. To put your name out there to vote against the Speaker of the House, that's a political suicide. But yet they, I'm sure they're answering to their constituents and say, we don't want Kevin McCarthy. So Kat's gonna, um, Representative Kamek is going to have to decide. And I know her district. And I know they are not real happy with the establishment up there. Well, uh, that's a pretty good summation. And just so you uh, all listening and viewing know, Ted and I talk about 10, 15 minutes before we go on the air. And uh, so we'll repeat a lot of that, which we talked about, and let you uh, hear it uh, as we were just chatting about it. And the question comes down so many times to, what you've heard us talk about on the Words God Files, and that is this uh, entity known as leadership. And it's very difficult to get leadership in a society, and Ted and I were talking about this, and I want to invite him to expand on this because he uh, talked about it very eloquently a moment ago before we went live. Uh, we live in an instant gratification society 
that doesn't have a very long view of policy. Uh, everything is sort of spontaneously responded to and immediately uh, sought as a, uh, a poll to diagnose whether or not it was the right thing to do. Uh, people who are leaders act independently of polls and instant gratification, I would argue, and immediate positive response. Lots of times that which the leader makes a decision about it could be very unpopular at the time. But uh, when you look back years later, you realize it was absolutely the right thing to do. So, Ted, I invite you to, to share a little bit about what you were talking to me about, uh, this culture that we live in that, sadly, Congress is just uh, absolutely a mirror of, I would say. <clears throat> no, it is. And, you know, with the advent of social media and 24-7 news when CNN came online, um, you know, people are fixated and it comes down to being fixated on sound bites and headlines. And that's something, again, Kat and I, when she went up there with me, she knew that. And again, they're fixated on the now. We have to look long term. Look at where this country is and how much has changed since the Obama administration came in with the the plan to fundamentally change America. And they're, they're very successful at what they've done. It's what I call the Obamanization of our nation. Um, you know, it's moving from the republic we were to a socialist uh, economy and country, if not Marxist. And you can listen to the business leaders talk about that. So that's really what we should be focusing on, because what kind of legacy or what kind of a country do we want to leave to our next generations? Not just our children, but generations down the road. And to focus on the fight right now, like that's the most important thing. It's not the most important thing. It's something we have to get through and they will get through this. Uh, but I'm always, I'm already hearing people say, well, they've already messed up this Congress. I won't be reelected in 2024. I think that's just media hype and headlines. Let's focus on getting the right speaker in there so that speaker can go and start unrolling some of the stuff that um, uh, the Democrats have done over the last 10 years. And um, I mean, pick it, pick a subject, just the southwest border, the, the, the northern border is just as porous as our southwest, but we don't hear about that. And, um, you know, the Florida border, you know, with uh, the, the coastlines that we have, we have thousands of people. I just know uh, in one month there was over 3000 migrants that came in into Florida from Haiti, uh, uh, Cuba and all these other places. You don't hear about that, but that's going on. And these are problems that need to be fixed. And uh, there's so many things that with the right speaker, they can go after these things and change the footprint of where we're or the direction of where we're going. You know, the compass settings of where we're going as a nation to get us back on those founding principles that this country was founded on. I might play devil's advocate here a minute and echo sure. some of the concerns that I've heard. Uh, sort of, um, you know, so we can draw this out a little bit and drill down. Um, why wouldn't uh, Kevin McCarthy be a guy who, he, as he argues, I think, could reach across the aisle to compromise? Um, that's one of the things that's being PR'd about him. And, sure. yeah, and, and evidently those who really know uh, the, the, the history of him hold that very suspect. You want to elaborate on that? Kevin will reach across the aisle and he'll compromise and they do a lot of the backroom deals and bring it to your members. Uh, case in point is the omnibus bill, my last Congress up there, 
when we were in the majority, he brought a 26 or 2700 page to bill to the floor. That was all done by the committee staff. We had very, the members had no input into it. And he brought that bill up. It was either 1130 at night or one o'clock. The rule is you're supposed to have 72 hours. And I know they're debating that they're going to have 72 hours of review, review of a bill. But he brought a bill up that nobody read and we're voting on it within within eight to 12 hours. And I, he wanted me to support it. I said, absolutely not. I said, that's the very thing that the American people are fed up with because we've been railing against Pelosi and the Democrats for bringing up the 2,600-page Obamacare bill that nobody read in the infamous words of Pelosi. We have to pass it to see what's in it. And now we saw what was in it. And they just did it again with the uh, omnibus bill. And our own party has done that. And Kevin has done that. The other thing with Kevin is he has worked very hard to unelect conservative Republicans because they didn't go along with the status quo. And I can tell, I can name you probably six or seven people where they have done that. And that's the Republican Party eating their own people because they don't fall in line with the establishment and just be good little foot soldiers, you know. And uh, thank God the Republicans are a little bit more independent thinking than the uh um, the establishment crowd. Well, you know, the Democrats are trying, of course, make hay out of this and say that, look at look at the dysfunctional Republicans. Um, they're uh, eating their own and they're in a circular firing squad, all these terms that you hear. And uh, they're trying to say, uh, see, they don't really have the ability to do what we did so well. And therefore, it might be that they really need a Democrat to be the speaker. Uh, any, any, any chance I see the guy getting a lot of votes, uh, as I watched, I, I'm like you, I kind of watched yesterday, uh, this whole process and, um, what's the deal on that? What's, uh, <laughs> that it, would be a know, possible. Yeah, it's definitely possible if you get enough, uh, Republicans that are just so irritated that they just says, I'll show you, uh, and they would live to regret it immediately if they were to do that. Um, uh, because it would really change the dynamics of Congress for sure in the favor of the Biden administration. Uh, It's possible, but very, very, very unlikely. Um, um, And I don't, I I just don't see that happening. Uh, But people have asked me, that's possible. You know, they can elect somebody that's not a member of Congress. Um, um, You know, we could elect Ward Scott to be the speaker. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah, but, you know, those things are possible, but unlikely. And so, be very unlikely. Yeah, that that last <laughs> uh, nomination would be very unlikely. Uh, is there? Let me play. Uh, uh, let me play the paranoid cynic here for a moment. Sure. Um, and as Norman Mailer once said, uh, he was living in an age when to be paranoid was approaching having common sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, common sense is not common if it was. Yeah, anybody. yeah. But I mean. Could the Democrats be secretly or not so secretly really hoping, wishing uh, that McCarthy becomes the speaker because they can uh, uh, still act, be like having for them, maybe Pelosi or, or something like that as the speaker? Is there any possibility sure. they're behind that? Yeah. I mean, go back to Paul Ryan and uh, John Boehner. Multiple times they'd go to the Democrats to get votes to pass up the Republican Party. Their own party didn't want. And so they would go there just to avoid the fight, whether it was the shutdown of the government or some of the other things 
that, that we adamantly did not want Boehner and Paul Ryan would go to the speaker or to the Democrats um, Pelosi and negotiate and keep in mind where Kevin McCarthy came from. Kevin McCarthy yeah. did the very same thing. Kevin talks about coming from the private sector and, and he had a sandwich shop from uh, lottery winnings. He won $5,000, set up a sandwich shop in his uncle's uh, deli. And that's his business experience. He had 15 years of being a creature in, um, in, in politics as a aide and district director for a congressman in California. Then he went right to Congress and uh, his own mentor that was in Congress would not endorse him and said, he's just not worthy of being up here. And of course he got elected and he's been there ever since he's never chaired a committee. He, um, um, he never passed any significant legislation until a couple of years ago. And, um, and he wants to be the speaker and run this nation. I think there's other choices out there. Um, um, Mike Johnson out of Louisiana, very astute lawyer, uh, very conservative Christian fella uh, that can work across the aisle. And um, Jim Banks out of Indiana, who Pelosi would not let on the January 6th committee. And, of course, Jim Jordan is out there. Um, and I think those would all be better to be elected because it's not Kevin and it's not establishment per se that has the track record that Kevin does. Well, we've seen three rounds of voting today. And from what I can understand, this could go on uh, um, quite a while longer. Can you predict uh, different scenarios here since you, uh, uh, you've been there, done that and all that? Um, probably two or three different scenarios could ensue. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, I think what you'll see is you'll probably go through another one or two rounds today, but I think at the end, I think what I predict is Kevin McCarthy is going to withdraw his name unless he wins in this first round, which I don't think he will. I think the, the same um, 19 that have been voting against him, and I have been in contact with several of them since yet last night, um, they're not changing. And um, But I don't know what happened and transpired over the night, you know, what kind of deals were made. Um, but my prediction is if he doesn't win on the first go around, he may stick in one more. But after that, he's going to have to withdraw his name as he should. And then that way they can get on to electing a speaker because he's out of the way and they'll put a person in there and that person will get the 218 votes. And then the nation can move on or Congress can move on and go after those things that we really have to roll back. Um, you look at giving college tuition and writing that off for people. If I owed a bunch of money, I would love that, but it's not constitutional. Um, you look at what Biden wanted to do with people that came into this country illegally, and uh, he wanted to give them, what was it, $400,000, um, you know, just because they were treated wrong at the border. You know, these things are not constitutional, and they're weakening our nation secure the border. Those things are what they need to go after. The wokeism in there, the ESG that's being driven by the agencies that have been there forever and these corporations that are pushing all this stuff. Those are things that the American, the majority of the American people don't want. And we need to get our, our government to get out of that business and focus on those things that the constitution says they should do. From the Ted Yoho here, who was eight years in the house of representatives and, um, really sadly laments the fact that when he went in, the 
um, debt was relatively much smaller, of course, than now. And when he went out, even though he did what he could do to bring it down, it got bigger and bigger. There's this kind of feeling, therefore, among those of us who um, shake our heads at politics uh, and wonder why it's so uh, ineffective in so many ways. Um, I suspect that there's a lot, to, and we've talked about it, a lot of damage that's done uh, at the committee level because I was listening to you talk about how Kevin McCarthy entered D.C. and how by basically doing nothing, I would call it very little anyway from what I've heard of consequence for me, that would affect me and my listeners and all that, he advances. Yeah. Now explain that. That, that, that. You see, that's, that's backwards. I mean, by doing nothing, you advance, and by doing something, you retreat. Come on. <laughs> that's unfortunately that's the way Washington is. It, you're not you're not promoted by merit. You're promoted by playing the game. And I think everybody pretty much knows I didn't play the game very well. You know, you're supposed to raise three hundred thousand dollars for the Republican Party as a freshman. That's probably higher than that now. And I told them I don't work for the Republican Party and I don't work for you. I work for the people that sent me up there, and I'll be damned if I'm going to pay that. And I never did pay my dues to their liking. I paid some, um, but I paid it to different members as they were trying to get reelected, the members I believed in. And um, I just never played that game. And so Kevin has always played the political game, and it's for advancement. And when you have somebody that's willing to bend their principles, their ethics, or their character for advancement, those are dangerous people to have in politics because it becomes power. And um, I think everybody needs to look at their representative and say, is this person in here for a cause? And that cause is the, the, the survival of this republic, or are they there for a position? And if they're there for a position and you feel that way, vote them out. They don't need to be there. They're on the public coffers. And um, um, J James Madison's got a, a great quote. He's got, he broke politicians down into three categories. Those that are there for self-benefit, uh, those that are there just to have something to do, and those that are there for the right reason for the republic. And um, we've got too many of those first two. And, um, you know, get people that are in there for a cause, not a job. Now, is it true that the Democrats are exactly the opposite of what we're talking about, uh, from your experience anyway? They all band together. They all... Yeah. Uh, pretty much use the system to advance themselves. Pelosi being a great example sure. um, comes creeping up the staircase there from years of being there. Um, yeah. Others come to mind that just have really just stayed there and become part of what's known now, I guess, as a deep state. Um, I don't know that there are any exceptions in that their group. Um, they're sort of herded into the corral to use a, an analogy you and I would understand, and, and through the chute. I mean, yeah. you know, if it's their time to go through the chute and get in a dadgum carrier, why, they go, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and just wait. And, you know, Kevin, when he ran for speaker before, he and I had a sit down. He wanted my vote. And I, I said, why? And he goes, well, you know, I've raised more money than Paul Ryan or Boehner ever did. And, and I says, Kevin, you know, that doesn't impress me. I says, I know you have to have a certain amount of money 
you know, in politics. But again, I said to me, the money follows the, the position. Whoever the speaker is, the money's going to follow. And he didn't appreciate that. And he goes, well, we passed over 700 bills in the House. And I said, again, that doesn't impress, impress me, Kevin. I said, let me ask you, do the American people need 700 new bills? Or do they need less bills that we should go after? And I says, and you and I both know of those 700 bills we passed in the House, probably 20 of them may see the light of day in the Senate. I said, so we spent a lot of busy time doing stuff like that. I said, but let me tell you what bills we do need to have is our 12 appropriation bills passed on time. Because if we did that, we would have our spending under control. We wouldn't have these CRs, the continuing resolutions. And then we wouldn't have these garbage omnibus bills that <clears throat> this one had, what, 4,000 pages that nobody has a clue of what's in there other than the committee staff that wrote that stuff. And we'll find out, you know, pass it to see what's in it so we can see what's in it. And I think we've seen that scenario. And, you know, Kevin did that back in, uh, I think it was 2017 or 18. Well, I guess what we say is to get along to get along. And uh, you see so much of that. Uh, you see, uh, certainly people wonder, why didn't so-and-so um, get elected? I hear this at the local level. I'm sure you do, too. Well, I always answer, well, so-and-so was too good to get elected. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you're that burr under the saddle or the pebble under the <laughs> in, in your shoe, uh, people don't like that. But sometimes that pebble is there for a reason because things are so skewed that they have to be brought back. And, you know, it's interesting. When I first ran, I met with somebody that was uh, uh, in the administrative state up there, and he was a conservative. And I said, is it as dysfunctional as I, as I seem to think being an outsider coming in? He goes, it's worse than what you think. He goes, it is like a cruise ship adrift in the ocean, and nobody's at the helm. Worse than that, there's not a chart saying where the ship's going. It's just out there drifting. And I said, it can't be that bad. But after being up there for eight years, um, they're playing the short-term game. We've got we've to bash the Democrats. We've got to do this. Whereas the Democrats, as you brought out, they're, they're a, a cohesive group. And they, they stay lockstep, for the most part, on that agenda they have. And again, it's the fundamental transforming of America. You know, think, about, think back eight years. Did we have transgenderism? being talked about with third graders in school? Did we have wokeism in the military? Did we have ESG scores in our corporations? No, we didn't. That's how fast things are changing. And that's the Democrat Marxist agenda that they're in lockstep pushing forward. And the Republicans have got to stop allowing that to happen. And they have to get a leader that says we're going this way and we're going to change these things for America because this is what this country is founded on. And then that way they have those things in place for the future Congresses. You know, uh, funny that you bring up the transgender thing, because I just read a little bit ago, uh, just to, you know, do a little show prep and wait for us to go on the air, that the um, World Boxing Council, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Ted, has said, has come out and said, there will, we will never allow <laughs> anybody in the ring uh, who has on its birth certificate a biological female. We will never let a biological female get in the ring with a biological male. It ain't going to happen. Because that's, a biological... That's a, 
smart thing. And that and that something that has to come from the boxing ring. The boxing <laughs> ring says the rest of you, you, you rest of you, you, you might think you got it together, but we ain't going to let a transgender get in the ring with George Foreman or somebody like that because it's going to be no contest. I thought that was so interesting that the World Boxing Council said, "Hey, listen, we ain't going to fall for that." And uh, you know, and it, boy, does it ever make. We should find out who's the head of that organization and elect them for speaker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've been talking with Ted Yo. We're going to take a break in a little bit. You know, uh, I want to talk about, uh, I don't know if you've read it, Ted, but Sassy, uh, Sassy, is that the way you say his name, the new president? And Ben Sass. Ben Sass. I, okay. Sassy seems to fit if better. If you well. off, you can say you're getting pretty sassy there. Yeah. Ben. <laughs> uh, anyway, he, he made evidently a pretty good uh, speech about what is called for, echoing much of the things that DeSantis is saying, by the way, about the need to get wokeism out of the university. And it boy, huh? It does need to get out of that. Yeah, that was basically his his his, his speech. And, and and I'm telling you, no wonder the faculty didn't want him around. But that oh. he, he said it. And uh, the, the point of the article, I, I may have read it in the Epoch Times. I don't know exactly where I read it. No, I read it. I read it in the Washington Examiner. Um, the the writer lamented the fact that um, okay, it's a really good uh, statement to make at the university, but boy, we sure need more of him in the Congress, in the United, in the Senate, uh, taking these positions. So uh, there was a kind of you know lament there. Yes, you know he's here, and it's the right thing to say. What, is it going to be that effective at Florida University, whereas it would have been more effective as leadership in the Senate? Um, yeah, right. That, that, um, was, that was the gist of the article. Well, you know what? DeSantis has done a good thing of, of setting the, the, the ground rules of what we're going to tolerate and not. And I think uh, an extension of that would be move into the university system, as you and I have talked about, and you know well, being uh, an educator for as long as you have, that it's that next generation we're educating and what better way to start than, you know, I mean, it should start with in the house with your parents and, you know, kindergarten, all those things, but start at the university that's getting public funding. And, um, um, I think that's a good word place to start. And if he can do that, that would, it'll be a, a great service to the state and it falls right into the free state of Florida. And that's what we want to extend to the nation. With Ted Yo here, we're going to be taking a break here in a moment to uh, talk about the weather. And uh, actually, right now, Ted, here in our area, we are under a tornado watch. Uh, we got a little change of weather coming through the system here. I uh, see it right here, too, in, in Wilatka, which is in Putnam County. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's always exciting to be in Florida because the weather does, uh, uh, you know, we're out here in the middle of two bodies of water and uh, – <laughs> and we get wind both ways. So, and, and then we get the stuff coming down off the continent. So it's always exciting. We're going to take a break in a moment. We're back. Any questions or comments that you think we need to take up? I'm looking at the chat line and we'll certainly take them up. So we're going to take a short break here for our bottom of the hour to thank people who support Good. us. Right back on the Ward Scott Files. 
Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Word Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Uh, Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave under a tornado watch, by golly in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida. It's about 70 degrees right now, uh, but we've got some ominous-looking skies outside the studio here. And um, our AccuView weather uh, channel, as well as our uh, other weather channels, suggest there's some severe storms coming along the East Coast today. Uh, The question for us here in our northern part of Florida is, will they dip down and and get a hold of us? And apparently, uh, we're going to err on the side of caution and issue a tornado warning uh, watch, uh, uh, which um, tornadoes really, um, I've been in a couple of them. And I can tell you, you know when you're in one because it sounds exactly like the proverbial freight train. Uh, 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 The first time I realized I was in a tornado was, um, you know, it it sounded like as if a a train were coming by where I was on the tracks and there were no tracks or any train anywhere near us. And uh, it, it just it just rumbles the earth. So you know when you're in one, you you definitely. Uh, and this one came in the middle of the night, so it was uh, even more suspenseful, if you will. 
Um, so we've got some severe storms that are going to come passing through. Out on the West Coast in California, they've got a bomb cyclone that's going to really, if you take a look at it, it's basically a hurricane counterclockwise pulling water off the Pacific and getting ready to unleash some threatening flooding in California. Uh, even in Atlanta, New Orleans, the severe weather is there. And that's the same severe weather that's coming across our area. So um, we are all I involved with um, dramatic events and the weather right now. And we ask you to, to take care of yourself and be alert. And uh, uh, should you hear the freight train rumbling, it's not the freight train. It is uh, that severe form of storm known as the tornado. So uh, we hope you're not in harm's way here. We want to thank uh, Lewis all for bringing the weather. Uh, Wendell Lewis claims she's eternally 29 years old. But uh, <laughs> God bless her. She deserves, everybody deserves to be a, a, a youthful person forever. I, I, I'm all for that. Is there any way I can make it? happen? I don't, I don't think so. Not even by congressional decree, which we're talking about now. Um, we got some other questions now coming up with Ted Yoho, which I'm going to pass along. Uh, you know, Jim Jordan is quoted somewhere this morning that I saw a publication as wanting to be only interested in the courts. Uh, I don't see that really in the cards for him. That would have to come down from a, from a Republican president, would it not? And um, I don't see, I don't know, you know, that's so far-fetched. And yet people have been using his name and he's been ducking the obligation. Uh, what's your take on that? Uh, we've got also in the chat line, somebody who wants to know about, uh, let me see who this person is. Um, oh, anyway, I'll come up on in a minute. Um, what do you think about what, uh, what, what uh, Jordan is up to there? Ted? Yeah, Jim has said he does not want the speakership, but I want to remind people, Paul Ryan said that for probably a month and a half, but then he wound up being speaker. Uh, Jim wants to be the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, um, you know, the court system, you know, the oversight, and, um, you know, he would be good at that. Um, you got to think back in history, George Washington, after the Revolutionary War, wanted to retire and go back to his farm. But people called him to serve this nation, and he didn't want to do it, but he relented because it was to serve the greater cause. And I think, you know, when push comes to shove, if Jim is the one that uh, garners the most votes, he will happily serve at that and have to give up that which he wants, as George Washington did. And uh, I think the nation will be better served in that. Another name comes up, Thomas Massey. Anything to that that you have? You know, that's interesting. Somebody else called me and told me Massey would be good because he's not indebted to anybody. He's an independent and uh, he doesn't need money from anybody. <laughs> Thomas would be, it would be interesting to see Thomas. Um, I think Thomas, it would be, it would be a good show to watch um, because he would challenge everybody on their thoughts. Um, I don't know if he could build a coalition. I think Jim could. I think Jim Banks could. I think Kevin Hearn could. And um, uh, Mike Johnson, I think they could. And they're not so ingrained in the establishment, although they are establishment, they're free thinking and uh, they've got some good ideas. There's also a question come up, and I think we've covered this for this uh, uh, viewer. Uh, how long can this uh, voting process, if you will, go on? And you predict uh, 
Well, I think I heard you say at the most three more vote rounds. I, I would think after that, that that people get tired and say, come on, let's get this over with. And yeah. I think that's what will happen. Uh, it could go on. I mean, they could conceivably, if you look back in history, um, on nominating committees and that for conventions, those things went on for days. And I don't foresee that happening, but it could. But I just don't see that. Uh, I think somebody will break and just say, you know what? And it's like with all of us, we get in that situation. You've got to compromise somewhere. The thing I hope they don't do is compromise on their principles. And I hope they hold that speaker accountable. You know, that was one of the things Paul Ryan, he didn't want the motion to vacate the chair because that's the or, that's the, the tool we use to get Boehner out. And there was only five of us that signed that. I was one of the five. And, um, you know, that was the requirement. Motion to vacate with at least five signatures. That's a doable thing. That doesn't mean you can vacate the chair. It just means it comes up for a vote and the members of the Congress conference have to decide that. And, um, and so it'll be interesting how this plays out, but I predict it'll be over today. Well, I think a lot of people will be um, from once in their lives kind of watching uh, politics. That's one of the things that has been uh, an unintended consequence of this is, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, for people paying attention, I mean, for, you know, and there's this storyline is being put out that uh, the dysfunctional Republicans are going to give away their uh, their meager victory. Um, I really don't think that's going to happen. I think that. I don't either. I no. think, again, that's the short term. That's what they're focusing on now. You need to look at the broader picture and, uh, you know, look at how much this country has changed since Heck, just in the last two years, it's been a tremendous amount of change. And I would I would venture to guess, in, in my opinion, it's not for the better. Um, and so, yeah, let them have the fight because the end result will be better for the country. And don't focus on the now and the, the, the headlines that are out there and the thing you heard Marjorie Taylor Greene saying and throwing other members under the bus. This is how um, <coughs> republicanism works through that democratic process. And uh, I, I have faith in the system that it'll work out. Um, I don't have faith in certain people up there that they'll do the right thing. But if we hold them accountable, they will. On the Ted Yoho checking the uh, chat line here. Um, and one, one, one of our good fans here says that watching the speaker nomination is much more interesting than the January 6th clown show. <laughs> it is i mean it's sad to see us fighting like that but it's that sometimes fights are worth having that january 6 was a witch hunt pelosi would not let republicans be on that committee and i mean they'll say well it was bipartisan we had liz cheney and uh adam uh kinzinger but they weren't republicans i mean they they were just die they're they're democrats in fact Cheney even said that she would rather have a Democrat win than a Republican. Uh, and she was going to, she went out and, and uh, politic for the Democrats. I mean, that's pretty bad when you start doing stuff like that. That would be like Republicans electing a, a Democratic speaker. That would be pretty bad. <laughs> Let's take up a discussion. You and I had a little bit about the fellow who has uh, uh, fabricated his resume. <laughs> you know, uh, what should be done with that? Uh, there's been recalls about uh, su suggestions. Uh, uh, Lou Santos? Yes, yes, yes. It, it, Out of New York. <laughs> we, 
when you uh, when you have people that will lie, cheat, and steal to get ahead, that tells you a lot about that character. When you again, when you put character and integrity, uh, um, when you put ambition above the character and integrity, you got to watch out for those people. And I think that the the Republicans would be wise not to set them on a committee. And I think a, I think what you would see is his district and the parties in the district would call for his um, him to step down and do a recall vote. And I think that would be the best way to do it and let it be handled in his district, in his state. Well, I wonder if it could happen. I mean, I, maybe he doesn't act as if it matters, huh? Sure. It can happen. Yeah. And, he uh, you look at the like Newsom. I mean, they try to recall him out there in California, which he'll be the Democratic. Um, he'll be in the presidential race in the next election. And uh, <laughs> you know, can you imagine there will be no more uh, gas cars in America by 2050? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but, you, know, you talk about ambition over care, uh, uh, integrity. I've seen that so much on the local level. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just uh, good people just don't want to get involved with it. And therefore, politics becomes kind of swarmy. And it's the same old, same old who show up. And because uh, there is a there is a truth to the fact that the world belongs to those who show up. And, uh, yeah. you know, they these people are professionally seeking these sort of things. And. Um, you know, Trump's a good example in many ways. Here's a business guy, first business guy. Um, you know, this whole thing about, you know, his tax, you know, that's that's nothing. You know, you know, come on. Congress enabled him to use all those rules. And, you know, he had the attorneys who knew how to use them. I mean, if they want to get after him, get after Congress and set up the rules. Correct. Right. He would not if he didn't work the tax system the way it was set up, he wouldn't be a successful businessman. I'm sure you do it. I do it. Um, you know, you push the envelope as long as it's legal. And if it's not, the IRS will let you know. But, you know, to take advantage, to not do it is not to use the tax code the way it's supposed to, the way it was designed. And it's not cheating on taxes. Now, if he cheated, that's a different story. But, you know, and my, my wife and I were talking about this. They released his tax receipts or his tax uh, filings. How many people in America understand what they, those deductions are? And I didn't go through it line by line. I haven't even looked at it. I, I could care less. Um, you know, he's he was there and he's gone now. I'm more concerned about Hunter uh, Biden's laptop and uh, the dealings with him and Joe and China and all these other things. Uh, I'd be more interested in that. To go through somebody's tax returns without an accountant sitting there explaining <clears throat> line by line, it would be reading hieroglyphics without a code. And, um, you know, who cares about his tax receipts? He's not there anymore. Well, the other thing, too, I've had a broker's license in real estate and done quite a little bit of developing. I'm not a big-time dude by any means, but, I, you know, I was here and uh, saw an opportunity, but I used a tax code. And the whole theory of that is that that money will be reinvested and yet uh-huh. more development, which will be reinvested. And I can guarantee you that when in real estate, you invest that in more real estate, you are creating jobs sure. because, you know, somebody has to pound the nail. Somebody has to pour the slab. Uh, you know, I'm just going through I'm, some of the subs that I've been involved with. Somebody has right. to paint it. 
Somebody has to wire it. Uh, that's not possible without me taking the risk. And that's what's left out of this equation. Uh, right. It's a risk. Risk takers, and I've known several really good ones, they've gone belly up a couple of times because they've sure. made a couple of mistakes. But they get right back up off the canvas and they go right back and they, they, they take a risk and they have vision and have courage. And they also understand um, the good ones anyway, integrity, because I never would do business with anybody who came back with a change order. You know, I mean, you bid it. Uh, my father was a heavy construction uh, and multi, multi built the causeway across Pontchartrain, uh, uh, built a, a, the dam. On, yeah, built a dam on the White River. Bid that, bid that job. And my father was always, uh, he was in the 77th Combat Engineers in World War II, did all of that work, wow. and then came back and was the head of a big, heavy construction international business. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it, he used to come home so upset that he gave the bid honestly and didn't get it. And the guy who got the bid couldn't do it for that. And we're right. coming back. Asking for more money, add -ons. So, huh? Doing you know, the add-ons and yeah, change, order. change orders. So, you know, this is a risky business. It's not without uh, a courage, and it's not without uh, uh, a kind of learning whom you can trust and who you can't. Uh, I never dealt with guys who didn't show up on time. You know, uh, in fact, I just got through uh, redoing a particular piece of property. I'm going to tell you. Um, that the guys that I used, man, I'm going to use again because, pow, they were there on time and they yeah. did what they say we're going to do. And what they said they could do it for is what they did it for. So, right. you know, um, they probably ought to be one of my sponsors because I'd be advertising for them, you know. Um, that sounds like you just did other than their name. Where are I they? I didn't give the name because they didn't. Hey, Ted, they didn't pay me to say their name. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you brought up a point. The entrepreneur, the risk taker is the ones that create the jobs. And I heard somebody say it's the people that go out there that take the risk that create the jobs that get bashed for taking advantage of people. But yet they're the ones giving jobs. How many broke people have created jobs for other people? Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I can show you the payrolls that I've paid out on stuff. I mean, it's, it's you know, and I, and I was basically a professor, but I had the, 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 the license and I had the, the other thing I did is I learned, who, as I said, and you and this must be analogous in many ways to Congress, I learned whom I could trust and I learned who could get things done. Right. And I learned who to stay away from yeah. That blew a lot of smoke up, you know where, yeah. and uh, finagled their, you know, always paid late or, you know, all these kind of things I didn't want to get involved with. And, and uh, because there's a lot of honor involved in business world, believe it or not, as you, as you know, there's a lot of trust and honor in the business world, believe it or not. And of course, there's a lot of uh, people that you want to avoid. Um, sure. You know, the old cliche about the car salesman, you know, it's, uh, uh, is, is one that you often hear, but, uh, um, by the way, I've never met a poor car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're talking with Ted Yo here. I'm looking at the chat line. We're talking about really now integrity and whom you can trust and who you can't. And apparently what is going to be tried today and deliberated and debated is how trustworthy is McCarthy. And the uh, skeptical uh, view of him is that he is, 
matriculated through the system uh, without ever risking much or doing much uh, that would cause him any personal loss. Um, this is one of the things that I think, you know, to tie this all together, uh, you know, if you have a politician like Trump who has, can suffer a personal loss financially from his adventures, but a person like Pelosi suffers no personal loss through her contacts and networking and politics. How much of that is going on, Ted? You're there. You know, could you, let's put it this way, could you have stayed in and come out richer than you went in? I don't know. Um, you know, people ask me that, and I can tell you for the eight years we were there, Carolyn and I went backwards about a million dollars. Um, you know, we went up there to serve, and we did that, and we stuck to our term limit pledge. But I've seen people go up there and become very successful. Um, and, you know, you got to wonder where that money comes from. I know a lot of people went up there very successful, you know, and they weren't hurting for money. I mean, some of the there's some very wealthy people up there, but a lot of those people are up there for the right reason on the Republican side. When you reach that level of success, it's like Francis Rooney. I mean, he's I've heard he's a billionaire and he's been on your show. And um, Francis went up there for the right reason. But he got fed up with the nonsense up there. Well, there you go. I mean, he's so, uh, used, used to things yeah. being done. To answer your question, yeah, I suppose some people do get rich up there. Um, uh, again, those people are up there for uh, a job, not for a cause. Well, let's talk for a moment about uh, the things that you think need to be done once this gets settled down. What should this speaker um, – I've read, uh, for example – um, some of the comments from uh, Scalise is that the fellow who was um, who was shot? What he was the one that was shot, right? In the in the in the, uh, in the baseball game. Yeah, he he got shot. Was near death. Brad Winstrup out of Ohio was a classmate of mine when I went up there. He's the one that saved his life. He was an army medic and he's a he's a doctor. And um, you know, S Steve is a very nice guy, very smart, um, but. There were some challenges he had on the repeal of the Obamacare that Paul Ryan brought forward that he knew didn't repeal it, and uh, he was pushing it as a repeal. And, you know, I lost a lot of respect for him on that vote. Um, but, again, I think they're going to elect somebody that's going to, after this angst that we're going through right now, this is temporary. This will be over in a day or two. And then Congress will move on, and I think they'll pick a stronger leader that'll be better for the party. I think it'll be unifying for the party, and it'll move this country forward in the direction where they need to focus. And again, just look at the last two years, what um, Biden has done, whether it's the border crisis that they failed to admit. Um, I got a report last night that the USDA increased food stamp benefits by going around Congress. They weren't authorized to do it, but they went through a process that triggers what we call the Congressional Review Act, and they gave out, they increased benefits on food stamps 22.1%. Nobody in Congress voted on that, and it was illegal. So those are the kinds of things that they need to hold the accountability. We always talk about accountability and transparency, but we see very little of that. Those are the kinds of things that Congress should focus on that really affect long-term in this country. Well, that's most interesting um, um, that... Um once again, we're back to integrity and leadership, and yeah. uh, th that that's a premium. I, I, um, 
if you have any questions about anything else that's going to be working today or a process works, um, they do a roll call vote, I notice, is a lady who writes down with a pencil <laughs> every single vote by hand. Have I got that right? I, you know, I was watching, you know, we used to, in my day, Ted, we had a kid who licked that pencil before he wrote. Have you ever seen that? And, uh, and he's probably led, giving himself lead poisoning. I was hoping, hoping that lady didn't lick that pencil. Yeah, really. Well, <laughs> she got a lot of lead yesterday. Isn't that funny how they're doing paper ballots and marking each ballot, but yet when it goes to the public, mail-in ballots, drop-off boxes, yeah. hiring vote. But when yeah. it comes to this, this is so important, you know, but when we elect a president, ah, just send in your vote, you know, send two or three in. It doesn't matter who you are. You don't have to have signature verification. That is something that the Republican conference, when they get their speaker, they need to go at the election rules that were changed by Pelosi and the Democratic Party that allowed for that nonsense and roll some of that back. And, of course, Democrats are going to go up in arms and say, oh, it's voter suppression, it's racism. And it's none of that. It's about the integrity of the system. And if you're a leader, you're going to have people behind you. And um, they're going to be supporting your initiative. And Kevin McCarthy doesn't have that. He's got, you know, he had the majority of the votes, no doubt about it. But uh, I can tell you a lot of those people that voted for him, they don't like him. Uh, I, I know that for a fact. They don't trust him. They might yeah. like him, but they don't trust him. Right, right. If you don't have trust, it's probably a, an integrity or character issue. Got a comment here from one of our great fans. Um, the head of the USDA is an Obama uh, guy. Is, yeah. that, is that true? Yeah. It sure is. He was governor of, uh, I think, Illinois. I forget what, um, uh, Vilsack. And he is the one, he has pushed a lot of these wokeism agendas. He's the one that's pushed for uh, uh, reparations. He's the one that had the loans for, if you're a minority farmer, you could write off up to 125% of the money you owed on a loan. You could write that off if you're a minority farmer. And he's he's not a good man. I don't have any respect for that guy. He's still there, he's though. A political, he's a political activist is what he is. At the head of the USDA. Boy, that, what you said is something about that write-off. Oh, yeah. I mean, you should well, see Trump, something. If Trump, did some, if Trump did something like that, we'd be howling, right? Oh, huh? it would be. Well, it's just like the food stamp thing I just brought up. That's through his agency. <clears throat> that agency knows there's over a billion dollars fraud in just the food stamp program. Not let alone some of the payout uh, programs of the farmers. Uh, there was so much fraud in that. In fact, three counties in Florida in the panhandle had the largest amount of fraud in farm programs in the nation. Three counties up there. And those things need to be brought to an end. If you're cheating the system, you should never be able to participate in it again, um, you know, for at least for like a five or 10 year period of time. Um, there's so many things that they should be focusing on that would make this country stronger and they're not doing it. Well, we're about out of time now on our Wednesdays, our really popular Those quick, doesn't it? Those quick when we're talking with Ted Yoho and he's been uh, a great asset to the show and you all are looking forward to it. A lot of you tune in to hear him. And, uh, you, of course, we're on 37 different platforms. And, uh, of course, we've been um, um, taken down by YouTube, which really probably is a compliment. <laughs> and, uh, I would think so, yeah. Yeah, we, you know, we keep right on plugging. So we keep putting the notes in the bottle and hoping on the island you are, you get them. Um, 
Uh, Ted, thanks for coming by. Hope I see you in a week. And uh, yeah, man. And we'll, we'll, hey, listen, we'll watch it attentively today. I'm sure to see how we do with our predictions and all. Um, yeah, so, uh, be there, and that we'll have a new speaker, and it'll be resolved today. Well, thanks for coming on, and we're going to sign off and wish you a happy day and stay safe. Warthog Command Center out. Later.